coming up on today's episode of the St. Petersburg Foodies Podcast. OMG, I listened to the latest podcast and totally agree with you about Epicurious and Con Nash Bon Appetit. I actually wrote for Epicurious many years ago. Mm-hmm. Now I can't stomach all of this self-righteousness. Uh oh. <laughs> that was really meant just for you, Kevin. <laughs> all right. Nobody listened to that part. And let me just clarify, too. I mean, I'm not against vegetarians. What I'm against is preaching. Mm-hmm. Right, right, you know, right. You, right. Do you go eat your vegetables. I love vegetables. When I was a kid, I actually took seconds on vegetables. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it says about my mom's cooking, but um, <laughs> sorry, mom. We have the joinery. We have a food hall now. Oh, Very wow. cool <laughs> food hall called the joinery, which yeah. is right on Lake Mirror. There, yeah, I, there's, there's a lot yeah. of great it's restaurants. It's like if you don't have a food hall, you're not up with the times. Right. right. Well, you know, air conditioning yeah, right. <laughs> is a good thing. Yes, it is. What do you enjoy the most about being a magazine publisher? I really like being the boss. <laughs> <laughs> Coming to you from St. Petersburg, Florida, you're listening to the St. Petersburg Foodies Podcast. The show that's the authority on where to eat in St. Pete. Here are your hosts, Kevin Godby and Lori Brown. Hi, I'm Kevin Godby. And I'm Lori Brown. Thank you for tuning in today. Welcome to the St. Petersburg Foodies Podcast. The podcast that's it when it comes to restaurants and food information in St. Pete. And be sure to check out our website, stpetersburgfoodies.com. There, you'll find great information, including restaurant reviews, the largest St. Pete happy hour list ever created and kept updated, and information on the newest restaurants in town. We are locals that live in downtown St. Pete, and we've been eating our way through this town for years, so you don't have to, but you should. We have a new episode every Tuesday. Just hit the subscribe button, and you'll get notified when an episode is ready for download, and then you can listen to them anytime you want like on your morning jog or commute to work. On today's show, our featured guest is Robin Sussingham. Robin has been producing food content for a long time, and she's recently revived the Edible Tampa Bay magazine. At the top of the show, we will be talking about food inflation, chili with beans, and servers' pet peeves. We We have have a great great show, so stick around. One of our favorite places to go eat in St. Pete is Engine Number no. 9. They've been a staple in downtown St. Pete coming up on seven years, and they are famous for their unique and tasty burger creations. As a matter of fact, they are on the St. Pete Foodies list of best burgers in St. Pete. They also made the best hot dogs list, the best chilies, and the best wings in St. Pete. Aside from the food, Engine Number no. 9 is a great sports bar with lots of TVs, beer, and wine. And you can even get a regular old cheeseburger, too, so you can bring your non-adventurous eater friends. Check out Engine Number 9 at the corner of MLK and 1st Avenue North in downtown St. Pete. Their burgers can't be beat. Ramen is the ultimate comfort food, and Booyah Ramen on the 900 block of Central Avenue is my go-to. It's so freaking good. The broth is like a silky blanket to warm up your mouth. And the hearty proteins, or just mushrooms for vegetarians, it'll have you saying, Ooh, mommy, the umami is making my eyes roll back in my head. 
My favorites are the pork belly and the short rib. Mmm. And then there's the noodles. O-M-G. Go get the best ramen in St. Pete at Booyah Ramen at 911 Central Avenue in the Edge District of downtown St. Pete. Do ya, Booyah? Dat's Restaurant in downtown St. Pete not only has some of the tastiest food, they are also unique and creative. They're the home of comfort food with flair, a foodie wonderland filled with bacon, cheese, and house-made breads. I love their shrimp and grits, which made our top 10 list. The trick is they use cream cheese and an Indian makani sauce. They also have a bunch of great burgers that use certified Angus beef. And two that they're famous for are the Cheesy Todd, where instead of a bun, you have two bacon jalapeno mac and cheese buns, and then the Double D, where you have two whole glazed donuts instead of a hamburger bun. Yeah, it's crazy. Crazy. I love the spaghetti in meatball, ginormous meatball stuffed with spaghetti inside the meatball, then served on top of more pasta. They also have tacos, fish and chips, meatloaf, pulled pork, grouper sandwich, salmon, a great steak salad, and tons more. They've got a huge location with lots of outdoor seating, and the inside is as spacious as it gets, great for social distancing. They're right in the heart of downtown St. Pete on the very first block of the famed Central Avenue, 180 Central Avenue. Their website is datstampa.com, and on Facebook you can find them at dats for foodies Check out Dats in downtown St. Pete. Well, it's that time of the month again. What Wh- time is that? When we have a conversational segment on the podcast to break things up for some variety. Because everyone just loves to hear us talk. Yeah. So you mentioned in the intro that we're going to talk about food inflation, chili with beans or not, and servers, that is restaurant servers, pet peeves. Food inflation, probably everybody knows about this already because it's been in all the media, newspapers, it TV, everything. It is crazy. Everything. I notice it like crazy out there. Yeah. So one Prices gra- are crazy. One graphic I saw on uh, CNN, seafood up 19%. This is compared to spring 2020. Chicken up 10%. Baked goods up 7.5%. And they didn't show beef on this one or I just missed it. But we were talking to Chef David Benstock recently of Il Retorno and St. Pete Meat and Provisions. And I think, do you remember what he said? I think he said that his... Now, he gets stuff from not the big, giant, you know, food suppliers. He gets it from real farms. Local farms, yeah. And he said that his beef price went up times four. I thought it was two. Maybe it was two. So, he's getting his own cow and he's breaking it down himself. Right. And I asked if we could come over and video it and he said yes. And then I realized, no, we'll have protesters in front of the building if we do that. (laughs) And everybody also knows about the worker shortage and people don't want to work. Uh, because they're getting money from the government. Right. And But then we have on top of that recently, last week. But it's not all about just getting money from the government. Well, they're also, they're, they don't have child care. Right. They're, you know, there's other issues and too. And a lot of people that, that were laid off found other jobs online and stuff yeah. that they can do from home. Right. Like us. Yeah. Well, we've mm. always been. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> but then you also had a couple weeks ago, actually, Russian hackers hacked one of the largest... Uh, meat processing companies, I was going to say plants, but they have several locations all over the United States, in Australia, everywhere, JBS. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're big with uh, beef and pork, but they do more than that. So check out what they process in one week. 
200,000 cattle, 500,000 hogs, 45 million chickens, 80,000 small stock, which is lambs, sheep, goats, and veal calves, per week, providing Jeez. more than 32 billion pounds of product each year to the mar- to markets in the U.S., Mexico, Canada, Europe, the Middle East, Africa, and Asia, among others. I was going to say that can't just be for the United States. Yeah. <laughs> But that's a ton of production that gets not even. I think they were like a day and a half, two days, maybe knocked out. But still, that's that's a ton, man. So basically, food inflation is also food shortage. Yeah. Oh, and then here's mine. I even forgot to put this in my notes. But coffee aficionados don't hate on me for this. But I had the Starbucks pods, not for the Keurig, but I had the actual Starbucks. Verissimo. Yes. Which I don't. They're not making anymore. I don't think. But anyway, I normally get a. So there's. A single box has 12 pods in it, and I normally get a pack of six boxes, so 72 uh, pods or 72 cups of coffee for, uh, I think it was 80, 80 bucks, 79 bucks, something like that. It comes out, if you do the math, it comes out to about a dollar a cup of coffee. Mm-hmm. I had to reorder. I placed my reorder. The day it's supposed to arrive, I get this abrupt email, your order's been canceled. I'm like, what the hell? All right, I'll just place another order. So I go in, and now the six a case of six is no longer available. You can only buy a single one. Mm-hmm. I was getting six boxes of 12. For 80. For 80 bucks. Now, one box of 12, what was it again? 50 or 60 bucks? It was, it was like 50 no, bucks. So if you do the math, now instead of $1 for a cup of coffee using these Starbucks pods, it would be $4 for a cup of coffee. You just go to Kawa for that. I know. Or, well, what I did is I found it on eBay. Right. What I usually buy for the usual price. So, nah. So, chili, beans or no beans? It's been widely reported for years that the International Chili Society says no beans. When they have competitions, the rule is no beans. I've always used beans in my chili. Me too. This has changed. However, there's another one, the Chili Appreciation Society International. They still say no beans. But... The International Chili Society now says, yeah, no problem. But there's qualifiers. Here's, I think this might have something to do with it. Mm-hmm. Guess who their new primary sponsor is? Bushes. Bushes Beans. Mm-hmm. So, But what they did is, so they have different categories. So there's the traditional red. That is no beans or any kind of vegetable fillers are allowed. But then they have homestyle chili. That's, if you're in that category, you're allowed beans. And also a combination of different meats. The other one is just beef. Mm-hmm. Then they have chili verde, which mm-hmm. verde means green. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of self-explanatory. They have a new new veggie chili category, which I hate. They have a youth cooking category to where they can pick any one of those they want to do. And that's from six years old to 17 years of age. And they say upcoming... They will be introducing new chili categories, tailgate chili and campfire chili. Stay tuned. So the last thing I have are servers' pet peeves. And I'm in the Facebook group, the St. Pete Service Industry. And uh, I'm going to mention the person who posted it, but I, I won't mention any other names. Iris Hunt posted, just curious to what everyone's pet peeves are while serving. Mine are asking for wet naps after peel and eat shrimp, which I give them to begin with. Instead of just going and washing your nasty shrimp hands. Right. That's what I do. <laughs> they give me the, the, the I wipes. Never I don't the even use them. I just go to the yeah. bathroom and wash yeah. my hands. I think the wet naps are, I don't even know what's in them. So yeah. it's like, ugh. She also says, being cut off before I can even say hi or the specials. 
Can't wait to see these responses from y'all. Now, there's like a ton of them. I think there's over 100, so I'm just going to randomly read a few. Asking for water and not even touching it. Biggest pet peeve ever. Iris responds, or lemon. It stays on the edge of the glass the whole time. Wasteful. Here's my pet peeve on that. I hate lemon in my water. Why does everyone... Put it in my water for me. Yeah. I don't. I don't ask for. Yeah, lemon. we always get it like automatic. No, there's some not ha- always. There's some places that I really appreciate that don't do it, but they're wasting money. Just ask if people want lemon or not. Yeah, that's my pet peeve. Most recently, we turned the table on that one. Yeah, most recently we were asked, but yes, somebody else says exactly. That's what I was going to say, especially when one random person orders water for everyone. At yes, the table. I hate that too. That's so stupid because I don't typically really want any, and I get it anyway, and then. The pet peeve is I didn't drink it. Yeah. And then <laughs> s- someone else says, I'm the bitch and just bring them water and then wait to see if anyone else wants water instead of bringing it to the whole table. Right, I guess. right. Asking for a to-go box and then leave it. I've done that by accident. Well, <laughs> well yeah. We've done that by accident. By too. accident. But it, definitely I was distressed about it afterwards. And she says, man, I get it, girl. Plus more plastic in our trash. They're not all plastic. And somebody says, I feel like that's a stoner mistake. Or a drunk one. Or, yeah, it's a drunk one for us. <laughs> somebody says, yep, this was the worst when I was a pothead. <laughs> Used to do this every time, then get home like, and they do have a face palm thing. Right, you're like, oh my God, I really want to eat that right now. Someone says, my husband loves to leave them on top of the car while we get the kids in. Those Florida seagulls are eating well when we go out. <laughs> oh, and asking for split checks, and then one person wants them all. Sure. Let me just combine all of them back together. <laughs> oh, that's a good one, man. Why wouldn't you just pay in the first place? Sitting at a dirty table so I have nowhere to wipe the crumbs but on their lap. <laughs> we had this happen Friday. A couple of older people sat in one girl's section. We aren't seat yourself, and there were clean tables in her section. She refused to go over to them until one of them came and asked. It was glorious. <laughs> people offering to pay the whole bill and then tipping like shit. Oh, God. I bet that's... Ugh. Mm-hmm. I bet that happens a lot. Yeah. We don't want to name any names. No. You know, sometimes when I... And I have a feeling that somebody's doing a bad tip. Yeah, I'll, I'll leave thr- the extra I'll cash like, on Here the you table. go. Yeah. yeah, if you have cash. Yeah. Yeah. When you would have gotten four times more from split checks. Right. Exactly. Right. Damn, I hate this. Especially when other people offered a tip and he's like, oh, no, ladies. Big Daddy's going to take care of this one. He winks at you. And as gross as that makes you feel, you take it because your mouth is watering for that juicy tip from Daddy. Oh, WTF, even slightly less than average tip, still a scumbag, especially if I smoothed the table. Like if you were going to show off when people are looking, but skimp when they aren't, you suck. I mean, unless the tip is still pretty big, big chunk, I'll be happy. LOL, really, I'm just bitching, but I do love serving tables. People say that's because I'm still fresh and don't hate people yet. (laughs) (laughs) So the moral of the story is, don't be an idiot. Be nice to your servers. Be kind, people. So we will be right back after this word from our sponsors with Robin Sussingham from the Edible Tampa Bay. As a St. Pete Foodies listener, you should also check out the Zest podcast from WUSF Public Media. You know, the Tampa NPR folks. Every Thursday, host Dahlia Colon shares everything from food history to the best restaurants you haven't tried. There's recipes you'll want to try and a different slice of our state's foodie scene. The key line actually is native to Southeast Asia. The English sailors were called limeys when they found out that they put it in their barrels of water to get rid of that brackish, well-water taste. They uh, didn't get scurvy anymore, so they wanted them in all their ports in the tropics, so they took the seeds and planted them. 
So that's how we ended up with key limes down here. We invite you to listen to The Zest on your favorite podcast app or at thezestpodcast.com. Tell Tell them St. Pete Foodie sent you. St. Pete is all about local, and this year we celebrate a local legend's 25th anniversary. Roland Oates Market and Cafe was founded in July of 94 by Bert Swain and Larry Schwartz. From the beginning, Roland Oates has made a commitment to provide St. Pete customers with the finest quality organic whole foods, nutritional supplements, and body care products at the most reasonable prices possible. And now they have a South Tampa location too. We go there for many items, but they are the only place that we go to buy our raw probiotics and other supplements. They have the best organic whole food selection in town, and on the flip side of that, they also offer a fantastic selection of wines and an unparalleled selection of local craft beer. Rollin' Oats has a cafe, Open Daily, which offers delicious sandwiches, burgers, soups, salads, bowls, wraps, entrees, and fresh-made smoothies along with a variety of prepared and packaged take-home meals located in the market itself. Do you pride yourself with supporting local businesses? Well, put your money where your mouth is and get on into Rollin' Oats today. Rollin' Oats St. Pete is located at 2842 Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Street North, and in South Tampa, you'll find them at 1021 North McDill Avenue. Check them out on the web at rollinoats.com. That's R-O-L-L-I-N oats.com. And Rollin' Oats offers online ordering with curbside pickup. Our guest today is a longtime, award-winning journalist in several areas, and especially in food. And her latest endeavor launched last March. Please welcome the publisher of the newly relaunched Edible Tampa Bay magazine, Robin Sussingham. Welcome, Robin. We're so glad to have you in studio. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I love being here. Thanks for driving all the way from Lakeland just for us. Yeah. Oh, well, it's <laughs> worth it. This is a beautiful view for <laughs> people who haven't been here. <laughs> we have to see if we can get that organically on every episode. Mm-hmm. So far, we're two for two. <laughs> <laughs> so you were on previously almost a year ago. It was July 2020 during COVID. Oh, wow. That was episode 99. And you know, with COVID, when we stopped having people in studio, first I started using Skype. Then I had issues with that. You familiarized us with Zencaster, which mm-hmm. worked good for a while. And then I started having problems with that one. I almost lost a couple episodes. Yeah. We'll spare that story. Then we went to Zoom. And now we're finally back in person. Yes. Oh, I'm so, so glad to be in person. Yes. 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 But yes. Zoom was so much better because we could see you know, each other. And that was nice. Yeah. So, Right. So prior to your latest endeavor, you were with uh, WUSF, Tampa Bay's NPR station. Right. And you came up with the idea to do the Zest podcast. You know, we asked you about that because you were involved in uh, all types of news. And right. that can be stressful at times. And food's fun. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that was super fun. And we also have to give you credit for initiating our partnership with the Zest podcast back in 2019 mm-hmm. when, you were, when you were the host. You know, you contacted us. And we're happy that we still have that arrangement going. And now you have decided... We need to bring back Edible Tampa Bay Magazine. That's right. It, it was around before somebody else was taking care of it and then went away. And now it's back. Before we get into the details on that, and we're loving the magazine, by mm-hmm. the way. Yes. Just want to remind people, go back and listen to episode 99. There's a ton of great information and conversation on there. Uh, some of the things we learned is you know, you're a longtime journalist. You've 
uh, filled roles of reporter, producer, anchor, editor, and now you're a magazine publisher. I definitely want to encourage everybody to check out your award-winning series on honeybees. That can be found on the Zest podcast. Right. You can, And also on our episode 99, we talk about it somewhat. But it's really fascinating. You know, everybody thinks, okay, honeybees, yeah, they make honey. Mm-hmm. But they that's not their most important role. Their most important role is pollinating different crops mm-hmm. and plants and how important it is to the food supply. And then we have the issue of bees dying off because of parasites. But we're trying to bring them back and we've made some progress. I think we talked about that. But it was just the details on that are just fascinating. And I, I think, yeah, I mean, it's been a while since we talked about that. and uh, But I think the the one thing that, was so amazing to take away from what I learned doing that series was that they're increasing, I think, 1% per year, simply because beekeepers work so hard and have gotten so much more knowledgeable. Because we hear, oh, you know, we hear each winter, 30% of the hives have died off. And you think, oh my gosh, there's like no more honeybees left. They're dying off. And they, they do die off, but then they come back. And that's not the part that you hear about a lot. So there was some good news. They were, inc- you know, they actually, the population just increasing just little slightly mm-hmm. every year. Right. And if you notice when you go to the store or wherever you get your honey, they usually say what type it's, there's not just one type. It depends. Right. It could be different flower, different plant, whatever. And then local honey, we learned, is better, is more healthy, I guess. Well, there are just so many types of local honey. Florida's got... Of course, orange blossom honey is too below honey. I just saw the mangroves are blooming and there are bees all over the mangroves. We have mangrove honey, which, mm-hmm. you know, you see sometimes and okay. I mean, there's, there's just so many and the quality is, is really good. Oh, and then we have the, you know, those Brazilian peppers. That was another mm. really interesting thing. The Brazilian pepper plants that are considered an invasive species, they're also getting the bees through the winter. So, so many, we have snow bees. We have so many Uh beekeepers from up north who bring their bees down to Florida because instead of having to feed them sugar water, wherever they're based, they can bring them to Florida. And we have those Brazilian pepper trees uh, blooming and they get the bees through the winter. And that, that, that uh, honey is considered sort of a baker's grade honey. It's not supposed Mm -hmm. to be as good. I think it tastes fine. But I guess we re- we will have to get rid of those invasive plants at some point, but right. the beekeepers are going to be in a dilemma. And you have recently started taking honey, for local my, honey for your allergies. For my terrible allergies that I've had my yeah. whole life that uh-huh. won't go away. And and that's taking uh, Nasacort, Allegra D, and I still need to have a box of tissues in every room. But yeah, in this process of just having some honey each day to help the allergies. And I think it is helping. It is actually. helping him for sure. I, I also learned that there's raw honey, which is if you have local raw honey for your allergies, at least in my my case, helps. And it's different than most of the grocery stores or, you know, like Publix or whatnot. They have the honey they have is considered high grade quality by who's it, agriculture department or whatever. But it's it's pasteurized. Mm-hmm. And that makes it nice and smooth and whatnot. But it's more healthy if you have the raw honey and the raw. They're just filtering out, you know, maybe 
parts of bees or whatever. Yeah, you want that local wildflower wildflower honey Mm -hmm. because that's Mm -hmm. what you're being, that's the pollen that you're being exposed to that's giving you the allergies. So that's supposed to build up your tolerance if you have that honey. I'm glad it's helping. Yeah. And it does, it does take a while because that would be like if you got shots for allergies, Mm -hmm. it has to build up in your system. And I did that years ago. So yeah, interesting. Yeah, and I was also reading about honey. We're gonna, I'm going to bring up Bon Appetit. I'm going to be nice now and not nice in a minute. But they had, uh, I think two issues back, they, had, they were talking about honey, and they told you about the different types of honey. And one cool trick they said is, you know when you're doing a recipe with honey and you're trying to get it off the spoon and you're, like, this honey is stuck to the spoon, dip your spoon in a neutral oil first and then yes. slides right off i spray it with i spray oh, the you, measuring like the measuring spoon with pam oh, cool. first and then in the, the honey does come off very cool. i knew that one would water yeah. would water work i don't think yeah, so i don't oh. think so either just trying to think of something that didn't have anything <laughs> so here's the part where we're going to see how many people get mad at us because we might be slightly politically incorrect or how many people like Robin over here, agrees with me. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> the, the way this, this interview came about is I'm just sitting at my desk doing some work and a text comes in from Robin. And the text says, where is it here? Okay, it says, OMG, I listened to the latest podcast and totally agree with you about Epicurious and Con Nas slash Bon Appetit. I actually wrote for Epicurious many years ago. Mm-hmm. Now I can't stomach all of this self-righteousness. <laughs> uh oh. <laughs> that was really meant just for you, Kevin. <laughs> All right. Nobody listened to that part. <laughs> no, but I, I felt the same way you did when I got across my Instagram feed that they were not going to do anything on meat anymore. And I, I mean, that's a huge part of our diet it and is. our culinary tradition and everything else and i also don't agree with the science behind what they're what they're doing i think is questionable so yeah it looked like a a a great big virtue signal to me and i I didn't like it exactly yeah that was on episode 142 with dean hurst from the burnt ends tiki bar on our conversational segment prior to the interview and yeah i mentioned that i was not happy epicurious used to be one of my favorite recipe sites Mm -hmm. years ago and it's not like yeah. everyone has become a vegetarian. Right. Yeah. And no offense, but are there any vegetarian restaurants that ever won an award for anything? Yes, honey. I'm sure there are. <laughs> I have not. Okay. I'm going to say from, here for the record, I have absolutely nothing against uh, vegetarianism. I, I think that's fine if you well, want to eat a plant. Neither do I. Based <laughs> diet. Yeah, a lot yeah. of people find that they feel much better and it's much healthier, but this, the, taking the stand that a major you know, publication or media company like Epicurious or Condé Nast took, I, I thought that was a little silly. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And let me just clarify too. I mean, I'm not against vegetarians. What I'm against is preaching. Mm-hmm. Right, right, you know, right. You, right. Do you go eat your vegetables. I love vegetables. When I was a kid, I actually took seconds on vegetables. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it says about my mom's cooking, but um, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, mom. And just to clarify also, Bon Appetit was not the exact same issue as Epicurious, but it was the same, like, going overboard was one of my points. So was it last year? I don't remember if it was end of 2019 or early 2020 that, what's the former publisher's name? Forgot his name now, darn it. Anyway, he was the head of their, the host of their podcast, which mm-hmm. went away. He got fired because actually somebody got ticked off at him. Adam, Adam Rappaport, there we go. Right. Was, was the publisher, Bon Appetit. And he's a white guy. 
white guys are evil these days. And somebody was actually looking, what I heard is somebody was looking for a job and he didn't hire them. And then that person got mad at him and went digging for dirt and found an old photo from years and years ago where he was dressed up for Halloween as a, quote, Puerto Rican. So he had not black face, he had brown face. You when know. we were younger, we people did that all the yeah. time. So it for, just wasn't, and I know that in so this got, climate it's insensitive. He got fired. Yeah. And then it came out that, oh, yeah, the way he ran the place was that like people of color in the kitchen when they're filming weren't paid. You know, they're like extras in the background or whatnot weren't paid and they should be paid. And, uh, you know, white people were treated better, supposedly. So he got fired. But now the issue is completely devoid of white males. So Adam was a bad boy. And now we're all banned. I think that the point that you're getting at is that, you know, as you said, I get into food writing and and because it's fun, because it's something that brings us together. Right. Really, that because I've been reporting on hard news for so long and, you know, I was a health reporter. I reported on disease. I reported on politics, you know, all kinds of things that were hard. And food was something that was so, um, you know, it brought people together. You know, there's comfort food, there's things taste good. We, we can agree on what tastes good. We can agree that we can have a beer together, things like that. And I know when you see that become politicized as well, it kind of makes you sad. It does. Right, exactly. Okay, so, so no more middle-aged white male angst for me. <laughs> no, it's okay. <laughs> he also gets the whole thing that because he's a boomer. He's like on the on the uh, yeah. verge on the if, line if between I was, if Gen I was born, X and boomer. Yeah, if I was born two weeks later, I wouldn't be a boomer. <laughs> and one of my writers for my my other business mm-hmm. goes off on Facebook about boomer this, boomer that, and then one time I tapped him on the shoulder digitally and was like, "Excuse me." <laughs> <laughs> He's like, "I mean, everyone but you, Kevin." <laughs> so we're gonna take a quick break and no more. White guy angst, and we're gonna come back with happy, fun stuff and talk about Edible Tampa Bay because this is a really cool, awesome magazine, and we're so glad you brought it back, Robin. Oh, thank you. So stick around, we'll be right back. Hey, Lori, have you ever been to Noble Crust? I have. What do you like there? Pork belly, pimento cheese, and fried green tomatoes are my favorite. Oh, yeah, I love that one too. They actually call it the FGBLT it's fried green tomatoes pork belly glazed with a Tabasco honey sauce and pimento cheese. Mm -hmm. And it's the first item on the menu, so you can't miss it. And I think they should actually call it the OMG. Yeah, you've said that before. The chicken marsala is really good too. It has chicken and chicken sausage, criminy mushrooms and four cheese grits. It's so delicious. I love that they mix classics from the American Deep South and Italy. Noble Crust is famous for their fried chicken. I love it. Yeah, and the eggplant parmesan is out of this world. When we do a best eggplant parm list, it'll definitely be on there. Yes, it will. Speaking of lists, Noble Crust made six of them recently. Best Italian, Best Casual Dining, Best Pizza, Best Bloody Marys, Best Meatballs, and, believe it or not, Best Salads. Ooh, ooh can I tell you another one of my favorite items? Yeah. The spaghetti and meatballs. It's oh, so good. man, you're not kidding. You know what? They have a brunch on Saturdays and Sundays starting at 1030, which I love. And the deviled eggs are to die for. Let's go to Noble Crust right now. I'm in. Let's do it. Where can you find the freshest fish in St. Pete? Well, you can't get fresher than caught that day. 
That's what you'll find at Trophy Fish. The Day Boat Special includes the fresh catch of the day, cooked how you want it, with your choice of two sides and a house-made sauce. They also have some incredible appetizers, like grilled street corn that's like crack, that stuff's so good, incredible grilled oysters, fresh fish spread, and much more. You will also find some options for the land lovers out there. All of this set in a setting that makes you feel serene and relaxed with your toes in the sand, like a day at the beach. They like to call their concept, Bait Shop Chic. So head on down to Trophy Fish, where you can grab a boat drink from their full bar and fill your tummy with the freshest catch around. Trophy Fish is located at 2060 Central Avenue in the Grand Central District. They are open Wednesday through Friday at 5 p.m., Saturday and Sunday at 12 to 3 for brunch and at 5 for dinner. We are back! We are back! We are back with Robin Sussingham, the publisher and editor, I guess too, right, of Edible Tampa Bay. And I remember finding it in different restaurants and food stores a while back, and then I didn't see it. I found, uh, while Googling, an article by Janet Keeler from July 2013, who was then the food and travel editor for Tampa Bay Times. She Mm -hmm. wrote an article about Edible Tampa Bay. Now she writes for Edible Tampa Bay with Robin. And I learned that the publishers back then were Kay and Brian Clark. Don't know what they're doing now. And they said that their initial printing was 10,000 copies, and they were expecting that 80,000 would roll off the press uh, within that year total, all issues combined. Um, And they talked about uh, how they they figured they'd print more in winter and spring when the area's population grows from winter visitors. And I believe it went from 2013 to early 2018. Mm -hmm. That sounds right. And you wrote for them, too. I did. And I I kind of had forgotten I did until I (laughs) I Googled it um, because... Uh, you know, I it wasn't really on my radar. As you mentioned, I was producing the Zest and hosting the Zest podcast. And so I would do research to prepare for those interviews. And I kept, you know, finding articles from Edible publications, not, I mean, Edible Orlando or Edible South Florida, because we were talking to Florida-based um, people. And they, I was like, these are good i mean the the quality of the journalism was always good the photography was beautiful the websites are beautiful and i started kind of poking around and that's when i found out that the um edible tampa bay license was available because she had stopped publishing like you said a few years ago so it was dormant so the way it works edible sells you the license and you run and take care of everything yes it's not really a franchise it's a license Mm -hmm. so you start from it's a small business and you start from the ground up um you know i had to learn i thought oh i've been a journalist for many years i know what i'm doing well i mean you learn you you, you're a publisher now so now you're learning about advertising and you're learning about printing and managing people and uh layout and design and the website and the social media Mm -hmm. um all that in addition to coming up with the stories and the photography. So um, it's been a a really, really fun learning experience. But they must have a template that you follow basically for how how the print comes out because they seem about the same all across the country. No, there's no template. They let you, you can do it the way that you want. I would say most of us sort of have the same mission. I mean, we want 
I mean, it's all about local, local agriculture, right, local right, produce, right. local chefs, local restaurants. What you might be talking about is they do specify the quality of the magazine. Right. The that's printing. What I mean. that's right. What I mean. Yeah. So the cover yeah. always has to be a certain kind of paper. It feels it's very like organic, kind of. uncoated. Right. It has to be a certain size mm-hmm. as far as, you know, you can't pit, you can't print under a certain amount of pages. It right, has to right, be right. a certain size. And also they limit the advertising. Mm. So you pick up some um, complimentary publications and you, it's, you feel like it's all ads. Yeah. yeah. So ours will never be like that because we are limited by our license okay. to the amount of advertising to editorial. And that's what keeps the quality, you so, know, across the board. That's great. So is it a ratio? It's a ratio. Okay. Of number cool. of pages to mm-hmm. ads. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. So as it grows, you can add more advertising. In. Are, are you if lit- you add more editorial. Right. If you add right. more editorial. Mm-hmm. Right. There, yeah. That makes sense. Totally. Yeah. Having a ratio. For people that don't know, so the larger organization is Edible Communities, and they have over 90 local edibles, such as Edible Boston, San Francisco, Sarasota, Philly. Philly. We're going there. We got to find that issue. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Austin. So, and then as you were talking about with Lori, so it sounds like there's certain things to maintain brand continuity that you need to do, but it's mostly you're running your show. Yeah, You're running your show. So, you know, the the different, as I've gotten to know the different publishers in the different cities, you know, everybody's got their own personality, their their own things that are important to them. Some people do a lot of events and that's, you know, a really a big part of what they do. Some of them, um, you know, are, are very much into, charity or the social justice aspect of it i mean i you know to be honest a few of the publications are owned by wealthy philanthropists Mm -hmm. so it doesn't matter to them if they sell ads or what they do it's the mission Mm -hmm. um and then you know there's those of us that it's a small business and Mm -hmm. and you know we have to be profitable absolutely Mm -hmm. yeah exactly and i was looking at are you familiar with the wayback machine it's a, if you just Google that, it comes right up. But it, but the actual address, I think, is something like internetarchive.org. Some, somebody, some years ago, decided, I'm going to download the whole internet. You know, it's completely insane, of course. So I was actually able to go back and look at the old website before you relaunched it. And they listed a bunch of counties that included like Pasco and Hernando. And I, I don't think you're covering that yeah that's my territory you are we've got five counties polk hillsborough pinellas pasco and hernando is my is my territory and we can um that's basically what your territory is basically where you can distribute your magazines okay um but we can do stories you know we outside that if we want to report on something else Mm -hmm. well here's what i like because like the the former incarnation said you know covering tampa bay i like that yours says Exploring the local food culture of Greater Tampa Bay and, drum roll please, Lakeland. Because mm-hmm. you're from Lakeland. So I'm like, from Lakeland and there's a lot going on there. Too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's yeah. like an extra bonus. Yeah. So I love, you know, I, that is my hometown. So I love distributing there and covering things that are going on there as well. So do you have any restaurant recommendations for Lakeland? Yes, the Red Door is a wonderful restaurant. Also, 1961, uh, mm-hmm. believe won the Golden Spoon. Oh wow! Oh nice. Um, we have the Joinery. We have a food hall now. Oh, Very wow. cool <laughs> food hall called the Joinery, which yeah. is right on Lake Mirror. The, yeah, I, there's there's a lot yeah, of great it's restaurants. It's like if you don't have a food hall, you're not up with the times. 
Right. right. <laughs> well, you know, air conditioning <laughs> is a good thing. Yes, it is. So on the so there's the the physical print magazine, and thank you for bringing a couple copies. It's beautiful. We, I, I love the feel of the matte finish. Mm-hmm. You know, glossy's nice, but most of them, that's what mm-hmm. you see all the time. Mattes is just it's, it seems classier to me. Oh well, thank you very yeah. much. Yeah. It's just very it's laid out, very nice. And then there's the website also, which is edibletampabay.com, and you can read stuff on there too. And so you can find the magazine. Magazine it's distributed to different um, like restaurants, coffee shops, food stores, and mm-hmm. so on, where you might find it, and you can just pick it up for free. Yeah. Uh, if you want to make sure you don't miss an issue and you want to get it delivered right to your door, there are subscriptions. You can subscribe. I think that's a great idea because it goes fast. We deliver them, um, you know, we deliver them to about 300 places around the area. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, I, they just go, they go fast. People pick them up and they're supposed to, we want you, (laughs) we want you to pick them up. Mm -hmm. Um, they also hand them around. We figure they get handed around between three and four times. So that kind of triples our, our, um, distribution distribution. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, but subscribing, you can do that on our website. And I learned that the hard way because one of my locations locally is Kawa coffee and they're already out. (laughs) We'll get some more in there. And it's uh, $24 for the year. $24. $24. Yep. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be, it's four times a year. Mm-hmm. It's I'm transitioning. Yeah. To that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You, you started off with the plan to go six times a year, but now yeah. it's quarterly. Yeah. And better. almost all the other, uh, edible publications are seasonal are four times a year. Right. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just got a wild hair <laughs> <laughs> do it differently, but I'm learning that I can learn so much from the other publications mm-hmm. that are already going. They are doing such a beautiful job. I'm, I'm, I've become a big admirer of, of the other edible publications. It's nice that you have them to, to talk oh, to and wonderful. lean on and what yeah. a great community. Well, we, yeah. Edible Sarasota, that's owned by the Freemans, uh, Matthew and Tina, are the, also they do the layout. They do layout and design for Edible Tampa Bay. Nice. Really oh, cool. talented oh, people. That's, nice. that's great. Yeah, so some of the things you'll find, there's recipes. Uh, I'm going to mention a, two or three maybe. So there's Moho Marinated Backstrap. That's venison, by the way. I was going to say, what in the world is backstrap? Yeah. <laughs> and, and, uh, and that's with, with garlic Brussels sprouts. And I love that it says this. Venison meat is most flavorful when served rare or medium rare. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> most meat is. There's just a yeah. few that are. Yeah. <laughs> that was a great story. I just want to... So Rebecca wrote that article, and she lives in Lakeland. She owns a gym there, and she's a real um, outdoors woman. And she takes groups of women out into the wilderness and teaches them how to cook with fire, how to make fire and cook with fire. And they hunt, and she cleans what they make. And it's, I mean, it was really interesting. Wow. And she's got a, a story in an upcoming um, magazine, actually in July, about watermelon farming. Her, she comes from, I think, four generations of watermelon farmers. Wow. And I learned so much about that life. And, and that's a, it's a great article. So that's in the July issue. Oh, I'm so, excited about that. I love watermelon. Yeah, you do. You like it in cocktails, too. I like it in everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we, well, we do have a watermelon cosmopolitan nice. uh, recipe. And awesome. that issue. Cool. Awesome. Yeah, there's there's a margarita scallop cocktail. Uh-huh. There's also corn is in season now, and there's a grilled corn salad. So that's the next recipe I'm doing. I recently uh, was on America's Test Kitchen, and they had one for succotash. And I love that they did this. They And there's an accompanying video. So it says in the recipe, don't. 
use frozen corn or canned corn. You must go get ears of corn. And then in the video, she's like wagging her finger at you. Don't you dare make this recipe if you're not using fresh corn. And then she shows you the trick of like you take a big bowl and then take a a small one, turn it upside down, and then you place the corn on there and you just carve off the kernels and it just goes into the big bowl. I still had some going. It's kind of a mess. And I have to admit, that was the first time I actually did that. And it's so easy. That's what I'm doing now all the time. Yeah. You know, whenever I can get the fresh corn. Speaking of America's Test Kitchen, there's another recipe for campanelle with roasted garlic, chicken sausage, and arugula. And that was came from America's Test Kitchen. Mm-hmm. And that also ties in with, you guys have cookbook reviews. Mm-hmm. And that recipe comes from the Chicken Bible, 500 Recipes, and it's reviewed by Janet Keeler. Yeah, Janet loved that book, I think. Yeah. yeah. She said she, you know, there were a lot of recipes in there that she wanted to make. Yeah, I'm so thrilled that janet keeler um has been writing for us and doing these cookbook reviews she's terrific um she's a local treasure she is yeah we love janet you you have some heavy hitters on staff Mm -hmm. absolutely Uh, i also just go back to the recipe one other thing i like that it says because the book's 500 recipes for chicken and then the beginning of recipe says only 499 to go (laughs) (laughs) so so yeah so so you've mixed it up nicely with having some people with decades of experience and wisdom along with some youth energy and perhaps some modern social media experience oh yeah so the people that i do know we already mentioned janet keeler she a long time ago was the food editor at tampa bay times she taught food journalism at usf and now she is the senior assigning editor for the freelance team at the penny hoarder Mm-hmm. yeah Great. she's having a good time with that yeah. <laughs> and mary lou jansen i've never met but i've seen a lot of her stuff mm-hmm. and she's a freelance writer uh, for a long time covering florida's agriculture tourism industries she also does photography and she has experience in pr then we have carlos hernandez well-known food blogger carlos, carlos eats, eats. Mm-hmm. Yeah. jenna Rimmen snyder she's the former food and drink editor for creative loafing tampa bay yes yeah she's great and I saved my favorite for last. Well, second favorite, because you're my favorite, Rob. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Careful. <Yeah. laughs> Melissa Santel, I adore her. She is the creative director of Edible Tampa Bay. She's published a cookbook, which we have, and autographed, and we've yes. made several of those recipes. We have, so good. And the founder of photography and branding studio, Food X Feels. So I love that Melissa has the professional training. Melissa, then- I mean... She's so young and has done so much already, yes. and she's so professional yes. and talented. Yeah, it's yes. it's amazing. It's amazing. I'm very lucky to have her on board. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, that was a total. I saw when I saw that post on Facebook. I was like, "There's there's a total win." Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. I know it's what's local, what's fresh in the season, and you know who has it, where do you get it, who's growing it and recipes for making it. So how do you just, besides what's in season and local, how do you decide what you're going to cover and and what's coming up next? So yeah, we are driven by the seasons for sure. Um, That's where, so Danielle Rose, you mentioned the the corn salad. We have Danielle Rose, she's got a blog called Swanee Rose and she is just so plugged into gardening and what's growing when and and she has beautiful photography skills um so she she's been coming up with our recipes um besides that i'm just keeping you know i'm a i'm a 
I'm a reporter. You know, I'm keeping an eye on on the news. So for our first issue, I wrote a feature about this new white strawberry that I had seen the news for out of IFAS, out of University of Florida. And I thought that is a great story. And then it turned out to be a really interesting story when I talked to uh, Gary Wishnatsky, who owns Wish Farms, about it. And he, it was a business story because he was saying this, this white strawberry is going to do more for Florida farmers than any trade deal could ever do. I saw that in the magazine. I, wow. I, just for a moment, because you, you came over, handed us magazines, and I just mm-hmm. flipped through real fast before we did the interview. And I saw that strawberry and I'm like, huh. That looks like it's not ripe yet. Right. And then I saw that quote that you just mentioned. So what's the deal with that? Well, they're calling it Pineberry. But the, the actual scientific name or the name that's been given is Florida Pearl. And it's kind of a blush. They call it a white strawberry. It's more like a, a blush strawberry. It looks like mm-hmm. it's not ripe. That's why my headline was, yes, it's ripe. <laughs> um, and it tastes a little bit different. But the reason he was saying that this could be a big boon for Florida farmers because customers are really going for them. They look really different. When you slice into them, they have a beautiful white center. If you look in the magazine or, or online, you'll see photos of the, of the uh, strawberries. Oh, and we, you know, the girl with the whisk tattoo, the baker, mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. she did, a, the, a, she made a cake for us that we put the strawberries on for our first, for our March issue. It's gorgeous, right. gorgeous. So you'll see the, the strawberries cut in half and that white center. But they can't be, so they're not going to be licensed to Mexico. And so they'll be easily policed. In other words, if they see white strawberries coming in from Mexico, they'll know those are unlicensed. And it's going to keep the competition from Mexico out of this particular kind of strawberry because they're, I guess, Florida farmers, you know, they get a a lot of competition from red strawberries. Mm -hmm. The Mexican season is at the same, overlaps. And I guess a lot of the big buyers out in the Midwest have been buying more Mexican strawberries. Anyway, it's a so they're thinking this could be really good That's for awesome. the uh, the Florida grower. Let's get someone to make strawberry margaritas. Yeah. <laughs> so we made it's called a Fresco's Pineberry Kiss. That, this that's another restaurant in Lakeland you were asking about, and they they came up with this uh, cocktail called the Pineberry Kiss, which was delicious. So that's in our March issue as well. Oh, nice! And also, nice. you can find on our our website is edibletampabay.com, and it's on there. It is. I was just going to say that. <laughs> but you're not going to find those strawberries until next spring, and they should be more plentiful. This this year there were only I think 12 acres planted in the whole state oh, wow. of that Florida pearl. So, but they did well. I guess they were flying off the shelves. So they're going to be planting more next next spring. They should be much more plentiful. I can't wait to try them. Yeah, I, I know. I didn't see them. Yeah. Yeah, Aldi had had some, and there were a few. I think I saw them in Publix. From a different, not Wish Wish Farms didn't have it in Publix, but another grower did. Ah. Mm -hmm. So, last question. Mm -hmm. What do you enjoy the most about being a magazine publisher? I really like being the boss. (laughs) (laughs) I I just like not having to pitch my story to myself. (laughs) If something interests me, I you know I think I have a pretty good eye for a good story. Right. I like having a platform to one put in stories that I think people are really going to find interesting, and a platform that can promote our local food 
culture, right? Which exactly. you know, to me, it's like what's important about the local food culture. That's what makes some place worth living. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what makes you know St. Petersburg so great, and downtown Lakeland now with its new restaurants. I mean, it makes the quality of life so much better and so so worth promoting. I think. Agreed. We couldn't agree more. Yeah. No, I don't think you could agree more. (laughs) Robin Sussingham, thank you so much. Yes, thank you, Robin. No, thanks for having me. It was a lot of fun. We'll be right back. This is Chris Walker. And you're listening to New on the website, we have the newly updated 10 Best Fish Tacos in St. Pete and the surrounding area. There's some from downtown St. Pete, a couple from St. Pete Beach, and even one from Gulfport. You'll find that and more on stpetersburgfoodies.com. Next week on the show, our guest is Matt Bonanno from St. Pete Meat and Provisions. If you want to get in touch, just drop us an email at info at stpetersburgfoodies.com. That's it for this episode of the St. Petersburg Foodies Podcast. Thanks for listening. Thanks to our guest, Robin Sussingham. And thanks to our sponsors. Trophy Fish. Dats. Rollin' Oats. The Zest Podcast. Noble Crust. Booyah Ramen. And and Engine engine Number number nine. 9. Our announcer is Candace Aviles from Meet the Chef, and our theme music is provided by the Chris Walker Band. We'd like to remind you to check out all the latest restaurant reviews, foodies news, top 10 lists, and updated happy hours on stpetersburgfoodies.com. Please give us a rating and review on whichever app you're using to listen to the show, and remember to share the show with your foodie friends. Until Until next time, time, may your food be hot and your bubbly cold. Is there anything else I can get you folks this evening? I think I'd like a hot fudge sundae. Oh, mmm, mmm. <laughs> that does sound good. I'll be right back with that for you. That bitch needs to be eating dessert anyway. Naomi, you know, if you ever want counseling and anger management or alcoholism, I'd be more than glad to do it for you. You do that for me? Thank you. I appreciate that. But I think I'd rather you just wash the...